0: Everybody, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It's me, Chris Denson, your gracious host. Um, and today we have a really amazing guest by the name of A.J. Burton-Shaw. Say hello, A.J. Hello, A.J. Hello, A.J. Man, that is a good. <laughs> that's, a, that's good humor there. This is going to be great. <laughs> um, are you allowed to say what A.J. stands for?
1: Um, am I allowed to? Yes. I, you, some people are like, oh, he's tops out. I tell you, i to kill you. That, who cares? And, I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll tell you. Gotta, and you and, will yeah, kill me. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. will
0: tell you, and I will. It'll be the first yeah, yeah. death on this podcast, by the
1: way. Yeah. No. Look, uh, my name is the same as my my dad's name, so um, we just went with AJ. And see, my
0: my name is the same as my mom's name, which is even more embarrassing. People call the house and be like, "Can I speak to Chris?" And I'm like, uh, "Hey." And They'd be like, "No, not you." Uh, so that was embarrassing. But um, give us a little bit of the 101, maybe the 92nd version on who AJ Burdenshaw is.
1: Professionally speaking, personally speaking, I don't know how you Yeah, read, sure. You well, um, so I'm the founder and CEO of Serato, uh, which uh, I founded with my business partner, Steve West, uh, back in 1998, yeah, uh, in Auckland, New Zealand. So uh, I'm from New Zealand, uh, born and raised, um, actually moved around a little bit when I was uh, quite young, lived in South Africa for a couple of years and Australia for a year. And, uh, yeah, settled in, in Auckland, New Zealand.
0: Your accent's all all over the place there. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, they're all kind of similar, but not similar at all. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> when
1: I arrived in New Zealand, the uh, South African accent was something I had to uh, get rid of pretty quickly. Did
0: cause... you see the movie Chappie, by the
1: way? Oh, yeah, I loved it. I haven't seen it, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Good ref- film. Reference over. Um, so, so this is cool. It's, and... It, Uh, What, I mean, I don't know, what was going on in New Zealand that, you know, because you don't think Serato, New Zealand, especially (laughs) as popularized as Serato is here Mm. um, uh, as as a cultural icon, I think, in in
1: terms of music and and technology. Yeah, yeah. Serato's actually just starting to catch on in New Zealand now. So that's good. That's ironic. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Our market's always been the U.S., actually. Um, So uh, we're... Uh, a lot of people who work at Serato in Auckland, you would think that they could say, "Hey, yeah, I work for Serato," and they'd be like, "Oh, wow, no." But actually, they're like, "Oh, cool, what do they do?"
0: Yeah, so, well, even like a, you know, I saw in some of my research team um, was like Serato Audio Research, right? Is, yeah, is that is that still the name of the company, or like what was happening at at that point in time under that moniker versus now?
1: Right. Well, uh, yeah, when when we formed the company, it's actually nothing to do with DJ. Um, uh, my business partner, Steve and I both, both went to Auckland university and, uh, studied a computer science degree. And we used to kind of show each other, uh, different little projects that we were working on, mostly graphical things, actually, not, not a lot of audio, but there was this one thing that he was working on and that was, um, um, the ability to stretch sound, you know, uh, slow it down and speed it up without changing its pitch. Hmm and um he was interested in that because he was a bass player and he wanted to be able to take a cd and slow it down to half speed so he could he could figure out the the uh the licks and uh yeah he cracked it while we were uh, still at university and um i said to him that's really cool let's you know start a company and see if we can sell this tech to somebody. So basically,
0: you took his work and, and, and blew it up.
1: Uh, yeah, well, he, <laughs> you know, he, he, he... I like that. Well,
0: let's make some money off of it.
1: <laughs> well, he wanted to give it away. So I said, mm, let's not do that. Let's do this. And uh, it was going to be... Uh, we thought it would be like in in, in CD players and, and hardware and that kind of stuff. We ended up, after a little while, figuring out uh, uh, studio recording software is right. where it belonged. And uh, so we made this plugin in called and Time.
0: How does like how does a young AJ and young Steve you know what what are those first steps that you make especially like you know kind of pre social media and like getting yeah. the word out like and you're in New Zealand you know yeah. you're like hey we got this thing like who whose door were you knocking on to well that's
1: the thing is that because we thought hardware and uh, we went to Japan and like started knocking on doors like uh, uh, you know Panasonic and Pioneer and people making basically CD and DVD players. And uh didn't get much interest. Uh, we went to America. We showed a few people. And it was actually a guy who was a studio engineer who saw our demo and said, oh, wow, I really need that for Pro Tools. Mm. Um, and uh, oh, we said, oh, cool, what's that? And he said, okay, well, uh, <laughs> let me tell you about that. So then we went. So and- green. Yeah. We, we visited uh, DigiDesign, the makers of Pro Tools at the time and uh, before they be- uh, merged with Avid and uh showed them this thing and they were super excited and so like you know your question is how do you get it out there with before social media we took it to a um a thing called the audio engineers society conference in new york city and uh aes is is held once a year and it alternates coasts and uh, we kind of had a little sub booth with digi design right and uh, you know we were uh blasting money for nothing <laughs> and changing the pitch of the guitar solo at the beginning nice. and the speed of the guitar solo at the beginning. And, and people would, would stop in their tracks and they turn around and go, what is that? Yeah, because, I mean,
0: at that point in time, like, nobody had probably, I mean, there's control in, like, yeah. a Korg keyboard, but not, like, to the extent no, that No, taking,
1: just... taking recorded audio and changing its speed without, uh, you know, distorting it Right, was just something people hadn't heard before. So they would walk up to us and they want to know what it was and then you know, we went back to New Zealand. This, this show was in October and we started getting phone calls and emails and this kind of thing of, they wanted the, the dealers who, who sell, you know, musical and, uh, software wanted to get it from us and we didn't, hadn't finished it yet. So we had to, <laughs> we had to spend the next two months, like, uh, uh really finishing it off. And then, um, I had to build a, a, a you know like a sales database and we you know there's just two guys this in. is this
0: is very like HBO Silicon Valley
1: oh, kind of yeah, you know dude. it's like
0: oh yeah. you oh you do want it like uh yeah. then maybe we should yeah. you know um I don't I, I guess you know it sounds like in the in this story Steve sort of the creative mind and then you like where in that you
1: come in as the the business
0: end of the the deal
1: well yeah i mean we're oh, the, we, there's a lot of overlap between the two of us. We got right. a lot in common, and we're both like uh, huge math geeks and uh computer Not math science. geeks, guys. It was no, not math. math geeks. Very, very different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we should get some math geeks on the show. That would be a, a fun episode. I
1: don't think I've heard of that before. I, I would like to see it. Um, <laughs> no, we're, uh, we, you know, so there's a lot of overlap between us. But, you know, um, yeah, he's kind of like the, uh, the backroom inventor kind. Uh, of personality and I'm the out there kind of meeting people personality. So it worked really well. Cause you know?
0: got good hair. That's the thing. Have like, I? The, 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 you know, the, the guy in front needs to have the, the good hair. The other one can be like the, the mad scientist. type. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you gotta have at least one of you who, who likes to talk to people. That, <laughs> that
0: was me. So, um, this has been your career. I mean, this, is, this has been the yeah. thing, and I've, I've, I've I uncovered some other things we'll get into okay. later. But, um, you know, I can't do math, but was this tw- tw- 25, 30, 17 years? Where, where are we in your journey? Oh, oh, right. Uh, <laughs> 1980.
1: Uh, 18 years?
0: Yes, all right. See, I know math a little. I'm also a math geek. Um, so for the past 18 years, this has been your thing. Like, what? When did it actually pivot to the the hands of the DJ?
1: Cool. Well, um, so we did that for a little while. Did studio software. We came up with a couple of other plugins as well, and uh, it would have been right around 2002 that um I was kind of board one weekend, and uh, I, I've been listening to something with Chad, some uh, DJ scratching on it. Right. And I was like, oh, that's, I like, I really like that sound. I want, I, I want to be able to do that. But I didn't have turntables, didn't have records, didn't have access to any of it. So I did what a computer geek does. I wrote a piece of software, software that would simulate <laughs> being able to scratch. <laughs> awesome. and, and so uh, I whipped it up over the weekend and took it into the office. And uh, it was, you used the mouse. You know, there was a record that was turning on the screen. You would pick the mouse up and right. you would scratch and uh we um we thought it would be an interesting toy and uh we thought maybe maybe we could sell it for like 50 bucks uh but um wasn't until um we had the idea of well why don't we attach like an mp3 player and some turntables and uh yeah it'll right. be a real product so that actually uh we showed that for the first time well in 2003 we went to the nam show with like a prototype yep. which was done as a a plugin And then in 2004, we showed Scratch Live. So that's when it was first seen by the public.
0: That's pretty amazing. And then, you know, because I I imagine, we talked about this earlier, but kind of like this theme of disrupting an industry, right? Like Mm -hmm. something as far as, up until then, DJing was a very, very much a purist sport, right? Vinyl, maybe like CDs were still kind of like frowned upon a little bit but the vinyl enthusiast is like, no, man, don't mess with my vinyl. But, you know, and I want to put this in perspective for the audience. You know, what is the adoption rate of Serato to date?
1: You mean how many people? Yeah, how many people are using it? Well, I mean, uh, it's, yeah, it's difficult because because we give the software away for free, you know, download it on the website and then you just got to buy the hardware. Um, There's a lot of different hardware manufacturers that we've worked with over the year, but if you, over the years, but if you, uh, if you go by, how many people have um, registered themselves on the Serato.com website as a, you know, as a customer. It's around, uh, right, it's a couple million. I mean, that's, cents, you know. It's, it's a pretty big. It's a lot of DJs, know. right? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And and that's, those are the only ones, the, only the ones that registered. So, you know, you think about that. I guess, when did you realize it, it caught on? Because, you know, it, and more importantly, I guess, what was that conversion mechanism? Because I think you had to play a little bit of, I'm, I need to convince this audience and this you know, this community that this is a better tool than what they've already been using.
1: Yeah, well, back then, um, there was another player in the market, um, if you remember, but Stanton uh, had a piece of software called Final Scratch, and they had a little thing called the Scratch Amp. And so, you know, at the beginning, uh, it was us, a little tiny company in New Zealand, and Stanton Magnetics, which uh, um, had... A very similar product, and uh, they were doing a lot of marketing, and they were spending a lot of money, you know, uh, pushing their product. And we didn't really have the budget for that, so it was definitely word of mouth for right. us. And uh, we had like a uh, an online forum, which was, you know, I mean, this is before social media again, so it was <laughs> like, you know, we we built it, uh, right, and uh, we made it, um, so anyone could write. To us and to each other and, you know, this is kind of like, this is 2004, so it's kind of, you know, there were forums and stuff, but it was, they were all made by the companies like our our one was. And, uh, you know, we would, we would answer people's questions online. Um, You know, the team, we had about four staff (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, uh, you know, people would be uh, saying that they had bugs and we'd be, you know, talking backwards and forwards and it it was just kind of like a community that started to build up. Right. And uh, people started to realize that Scratch Live was rock solid, and uh, uh, the other the other piece of software had a lot of issues. You know, people were having a lot of problems with it. So,
0: and also, I mean, I think you know, I, I think because of that grassroots beginning, right? Like, yeah. hey, you are you, we are talking to the people who created it versus a customer yeah. service rep, right? Yeah, and I think that's kind of like the beginnings of where we are now. Like, people are used to. Sp- Twitter, for instance, speaking directly to, you know, uh, shout out to Vmota for these headphones. I posted it on Twitter yesterday that, you know, they gave me some custom headphones and somebody immediately tweeted back like, hey, I think one of my speakers is blown. Can you guys fix it? And I'm like, first of all, I'm not in this. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, but, you know, that idea of access kind of helps build community. And how did you guys continue to do that? Because I feel like this is like a brand that people feel very much an affinity and a closeness to.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we, we, we always try to um, be close to our customers. And uh, that forum that we built back then is still alive today. It's actually really busy. Is it, I, Do you use it?
0: I, I do not. No. Okay. I, I have no DJ skills it's, whatsoever. I yeah, MCed for a while. I had a DJ company, okay. and I, we did a month in, in Jamaica for spring break.
1: Cool. How about that?
0: That is cool. 2003, though.
1: So. All right. <laughs> <It's a> little,
0: <laughs> it's like right yeah. when you guys were first launched. Yeah, it was yeah. still... <laughs>
1: but, yeah, no. Uh, so, um, you know, obviously we're on social media and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, um, we, we try to listen to what people are saying. Often it's a lot of different things all at once. So we have right. to, you know, um, uh, try and figure out what it is that we can do for people. But, um, yeah, it, we, it's always for us been about what the people want. So let's fast
0: forward a little bit. Cause that, yeah. that actually leads me in another direction. Uh, pyro.
1: Yeah. T- tell us what pyro is, AJ. Pyro, well, wow. <laughs> Pyro is uh, Pyro is the the latest thing from Serato. It's uh, uh, it's our consumer music player, uh, but it's it's a music player not like anything else that's out there right now because it, it, it draws on our you know eighteen years of experience in uh, building software and uses the technology that we launched the company with the, the time stretching uh, plugin, and it also uses uh, the uh, all of our song analysis stuff that we got from our pro DJ software. So it, it, you know, it analyzes the beats and all that kind of stuff, and it lets you choose a bunch of music, and it'll mix the songs from one to the other for you. I
0: mean, it's pretty, and I've like, I've seen a demo and it is like, it's pretty amazing. uh, I just, I was just telling somebody the story of Genuine's pony, which is, uh, you know, it's probably, I I get a feeling it might be your go-to demo song. (laughs) I've used it a couple of times (laughs) and it was just like, you know, you, you kept pressing along the, you know, along the track and, and and it was beat matching, right? Like there was no skip or um, how much of, I don't know, from a design thinking standpoint, right? Like what consumer pain points did you go like, hey, there's Spotify and there's Pandora and there's iTunes, but we need to do this.
1: Well, you know, I, I was I was really trying to address my own pain points. Uh, and that is, you know, when you've got friends over uh, and uh, you want to play some music and um, you don't necessarily have time to sit there on your phone or whatever and, and choose every song, uh, I just wanted to be really an easy experience, and I also wanted to be seamless and uninterrupted. So the DJ mixing side of it was um, uh, was obvious, obviously, because we're Serato and you know we specialize in that kind of thing. But then may, the way that you playlist the the music was probably the most important uh, feature for me. It's like um, being able to just throw a whole lot of songs and maybe choose more than one playlist, merge them, you know, shuffle them around, right and not have the music stop when you want to change from one playlist to another, you know, you can delete the entire playlist that you're about to, to play while a song my, is playing. My pain point
0: is like, I'm always running over to the thing because I am like, Oh, this is long last song in the mix. And, yeah, then like, yeah. I, and I go like running. I'm too late. And there's like this lull yeah. of silence in the party.
1: Yeah. And so, so it solves that in a couple of different ways. Like one, if the, if what you've chosen runs out, it just chooses more songs that go with those ones. So you, it, it never goes to silent. Um, and uh, while you're switching from one playlist to another or inserting a song that you wanted to hear right now and you still want to carry on playing the other playlist you're playing, still never interrupts, you know?
0: That's great. Um, and, uh, you know, there's twice the you, first of a Steve sto- story about, like, hey, I want to learn this bass riff. Yeah. And it was like, and then it was was like, ah, I hate... Like, it's interesting that... I think from an entrepreneurial standpoint where you spot your own, like, I think we are good at pointing out like things we are uncomfortable with. It's another Mm. thing to start a business behind them. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, You know, only crazy people do. that. (laughs) And and, I mean, what goes into that decision Like what went into the process of like, we are going to launch pyro, right? what was that thought process? Cause it could have been just like, I hate doing this. And 30 parties later, you're doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously now at that point, uh, I'm, I'm already like 15 years into owning a so- music software company. So it's not like it's, uh, I have to start a whole company to do it. So, right. um, the decision-making process around that is, you know, uh, you see some pain points, you see a gap in the market and you see a way that you can fill it uniquely like no one else can. And it's just like, yeah, we have to do this.
0: Um, so it launched what earlier this year? Uh, yeah, it went worldwide in February. Okay um and i was looking through um itunes this is how i fast forwarded in the conversation because i think when you get feedback right there's one thing where you're going b2b right you're going from your company to djs who are providing music for uh, an audience mm. it's another thing like me as joe consumer and i go like this is bullshit like whatever this pardon me <laughs> um my daughter's here everybody so now i, I just swore whatever um but no you, you like the that idea of uh re- like consumer feedback, trolling, like all, and I think that decision-making process of like what bugs or pain points do we address and what are kind of like unaddressable. Yeah. Um, What's that, what's that like? Is, is there a difference? Well, you know
1: what, um, you know, uh, over the years that um, our user base has expanded more in that kind of consumer direction as DJing has become a thing that like everyone's doing so we are already seeing, you know, the the um the sort of trolley type behaviour that you see in YouTube and everywhere else uh, with, uh, I guess, our customers um who are um you know unhappy with this that or the other thing, but definitely I think to answer your question, um going from a pro product to a consumer product is a big step in like first of all numbers of people. Right. And, you know, obviously also the level at which they're going to be participating with your software. So, you know, we're now, there's a lot of casual users who are going to be able to kind of look at it for two seconds and say, oh, this is crap. You know, I think the other cool parallel well, hopefully they won't say it's crap. Uh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but, you
0: know, I think the other parallel is also that you've made two agnostic platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Serato works with multiple hardware manufacturers, as does Pyro work with the Spotify's and the other music playing platforms. Can you, you know, explain that democratization strategy? Because I think some people like, hey, we made this thing. You need to buy this thing also in order to make it work. Um, and we want it all. We want all the activity and the traffic and the data on our platform versus like, hey, let's be everybody's friend.
1: We, yeah, we like to work with people, you know. um uh For us, um it, the idea of concentrating on what you're good at and letting other companies concentrating, concentrate on what they're good at I think just makes good sense. You know, we don't make hardware, so it makes sense for us to have 10 different um, DJ hardware manufacturers. And, you know, yeah, we could, like, get a whole lot of funding and, like, try and start our own music service. But at the same time, Spotify is already there, you know, and iTunes is already there. Um, so, uh, it's, it just makes sense to work with other people.
0: Um, have you, I guess, since in the last couple of months, have you started to get any like data from, you know, what people are doing on the platform? Do you guys monitor like, Hey, this button gets clicked the most, or this, this function is used the most. Like, what are you, what are you learning about the consumer? Yeah.
1: I mean, you can do that a little bit. Um, obviously, uh, the more customers you have, Uh, the more data that produces if you try and like track every button push and that kind of (laughs) thing, it's, it's a monster amount of data. So, you know, we, we, we try to make sure that we know which screens are popular and uh, you know, uh, we, we need to know things like how big people's music libraries are and that kind of thing so that we can, um, you know, uh, plan our future features. But
0: it's also like, I, I hate when you ask somebody like, Hey, what kind of music do you like? And they go, everything.
1: It was like yeah but yeah. like
0: what like what do you play like you know it's like no 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 I listen to everything like no you don't like <laughs> nobody listens to everything but when you talk about like these giant music libraries you know some people do have that like that mashup culture um does pyro account for you know diverse music tastes right like yeah definitely
1: and uh, you know to answer your your question before about what you know what are we seeing well uh people are either uh, you know, just letting it play and letting it just choose the music and, uh, um, and you know, leaning right back or they're pushing next a lot. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's kind of fun pushing next on, on Pyro because it does, it does a mix. It's like a and, toy at that point. You yeah. just
0: kind of like, you want to see what happens.
1: Well, yeah, especially when you first get it, it's like, oh, well, I wonder what it's going to sound like mixing this song into this song. And so you right. spend the whole time, you know, doing mixes. Do people like,
0: I don't know. I, th- I think, there was a thing when the when the record industry first launched, and bands were thinking like, "Oh no, our career is over. They, they can play our music anywhere." Um, And then, lo, lo and behold, the music industry or the record industry was the thing that saved them. Right? It, more pe- people, yeah. people became rock stars and superstars. Um In both scenarios, I think there's always a, 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 a Serato and pyro um, that there there's a fear that the industry is changing too much, you're giving a little bit too much power to uh, the, I'll say the new generation in quotation marks. Sure. But. uh
1: Well, you know, I think that Serato um, DJ or Scratch Live when it was uh, first came out, it did um, what technology always does and it makes it more accessible to more people. And personally, I like that. I like when technology makes it possible for people who wouldn't have been able to get into something, get into it. Because, you know, for, for many years, uh, becoming a DJ was a huge commitment. You know, the 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 building up the catalog of music and all that kind of stuff itself was, was a huge, um, uh, you know, thing you had to do before you could, you know, be a serious yeah. DJ. And then uh, stuff like our software came along and it was all of a sudden people could get all the music they wanted in front of them and have it on vinyl. So, um, the, and the, you know, the reason I like that is because yeah, it does open the door for a whole lot more people who maybe are mediocre, but you also get some genius that never would have been discovered. Right. And so that's what I like about it. And, um, you know, uh, I think in some ways that Pyro kind of raises the bar for DJing a little bit rather than lowering it because um if a consumer app can can mix reasonably well then to become an actual DJ you're probably going to have to be a little bit better than just a uh you know an algorithm that's yeah. mixing two things together so in some ways um you know the um the kind of bedroom tire kicking DJ who's only going to look at it for 3 months or so Maybe you know, right? Isn't going to do it that much. Well, I
0: think it's you know it's kind of like a a principle of disruption, right? Is it not only changes the way things are done, but it it boosts the level of um quality responsibility. I'll say, (laughs) right? Because you know, I I was I worked for the New York Film Academy for a while as their marketing director. And it was right around the time that YouTube was really taking off, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it was like, oh, anybody can do this. Now, I'm a filmmaker too, and and you know, you've got millions and pun millions upon millions of individual channels, right? Like yeah. here, hey, here's my stuff, and um, but and, and I think it also forced real filmmakers to like, oh, we need to step our game up, right? Yeah, because we don't want to lose our bread to to these schmoes.
1: Yeah, and I, and I really think that once you when when sorry, YouTube filmmakers, I didn't mean to call you <laughs> schmoes, but <laughs> it's a figure of speech. Yeah, well, that, that's that is what YouTube did to that industry, and I think that um, uh, what came out of it is good because the 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 quality stuff still rises to the top, even though there's a lot more right. other. Yeah, there's a <laughs> less less quality yeah you know what i mean and so so and whenever this kind of stuff happens whenever technology makes things more accessible you get a, a lot more volume but you also get a lot more high quality stuff at the top end
0: um aside from your success why do you love technology i mean obviously if you, if you started goofing around with tech like as a you know in your teens yeah um before it was as cool as it is now and it's still like still becoming cool (laughs) yeah you know what was it about what was it that drew you to it as a i don't know as a a young aj
1: i've always been fascinated with uh the future and with uh what's what's possible and you know how things work and all of that kind of thing uh i can't even remember when that began um so i spend most of my day and days daydreaming about the future like uh, you know right now we're sitting here and we're talking about all this great technology that we have right now but you know i spend most of my time thinking about um uh when ai is going to take over and uh you know like the you know how we're going to get um from new york to uh new zealand in you know 3 hours that yeah. kind of thing you know like it, i love thinking about all of that kind of stuff
0: um it won't take you 15 years to do the next thing what <laughs> <laughs> what what i mean what is on uh, outside of your personal interests or your, your interest broadly, but like Hmm. what's the personal thing that you actually want to tackle, you know, uh, as a, as an entrepreneur, it's future oriented.
1: Right. Um, well, I'm actually really fascinated with, um, uh, how people learn things and get more intelligent. And, uh, I think a lot of people, think that your, your intelligence level is fixed in life and you know, there's, you know, you, there's the smart people and then there's the average and et cetera. Right. But I actually think, um, uh, it's an area that, that is under, uh, under developed, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so I'm really fascinated and what is it, what is it going to take to, uh, find a new way of educating people? And so that doesn't sound like, you know, tech, like standard tech kind of stuff, but I, but I've got some ideas and, I really want to um, look more Whatever,
0: so I can write them down. And steal <laughs> them. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, I think learning and also like increasing your capacity to learn mm-hmm. uh, like are two, you know, kind of things that go hand in hand. Like I've been obsessed lately with a uh, brain.fm. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of this thing? So it's like you answer a few questions and then it gives you this prescriptive like meditation music. So you can say, Hey, I'm I'm working. I'm on my computer. You choose the focus thing. And then, It gives you a prescriptive like background music that doesn't like it's not making you nod your head or like, oh, let me turn this up, you know, Mm. turn up. Um, And and then for relaxation, if you're about to take a nap for 15 minutes or 45 minutes and it's it's semi customizable, depending on how you answer these questions about Mm. how you behave. And eventually that increases your hopefully, you, you know, your capacity in some ways to perform, to learn. Um, we also had a guest uh, by the name of Walter O'Brien, um, yeah. the show Scorpion. I don't know if you guys get that. Uh, but it's, this guy is a, a literal genius, and we we almost got in a debate. I've got nervous debating a genius. <laughs> but um, but about, like, is your intelligence fixed or not? Um, so that's interesting that that could be your, your next venture.
1: Yeah, well, there's that. And then, you know, the other thing, um, even more immediate than that for me, is uh, virtual reality. Um, the, the way that the world is going to change in the next 12 months because of virtuality is, is just fascinating to me. Yeah. It's, it's, we're right on the verge. I mean, people have been talking about it since the nineties. I yep. remember that movie, the lawnmower man. You remember that? Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh my gosh. yeah. <laughs> that was a, it was a weird yeah. movie, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, when it was we, ahead of its time.
1: It Yeah. Way ahead of its time. And that was like, right when we were just starting to, you know, think about it. And the tech was nowhere near being there. And now the tech is finally there. And um, everything is all going to come out in the next few months. And then for the next 12 months, it's, it's, you know, it's to me fascinating what's going to happen really, really soon with that. Do
0: you believe that we, this is a philosophical question, but like, do we kind of fictionalize a dystopian future or, hey, this is what people are going to do. You know, I wonder how much knowledge the, the filmmakers behind Lawnmower Man had you know, to go like, oh, here we are in, in 2016 yeah. and it's this, this real. And some of it is just serendipitous, like, oh, my gosh, we never knew this would have existed ever.
1: Well, I, I think uh, filmmakers, well, storytellers really um, uh, rely on on uh, tension and uh, things going wrong and that kind of stuff to, to tell an interesting story. You know, everything being cool and it being a wonderful utopia isn't a very interesting story. Right. So, you know, that's why we imagine when we look into the future, things are going badly wrong. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you
0: know. Um, is how much AI is there currently in um in Pyro? Like, is because it, that it's like a is that is that considered a low? This is me being stupid. Sure, but is this a, is this considered like a low grade AI because it's predictive in a
1: sense, or is it learning as it goes? No, there's no AI in Pyro. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 uh, simple fixed algorithms that we created ourselves. It's humanly created. <laughs> I told you I was stupid.
0: Um, uh, so when I Googled you, yeah, uh, there's a, there's a the doppelganger, AJ Burdenshaw, who's uh, listed as an actor and a, and a producer <laughs> and a filmmaker. Uh-huh. Um, to, and I watched, I think I, I think I found a trailer for Andy. Oh, wow. I wasn't so, in that one. But. <laughs> but, um, tell me about that part of your, uh, I like this duality you got the yeah. tech side and then you got this super creative. Yeah. So, well, that's,
1: my, yeah, that's my creative side is, uh, is acting. I'm really into it. and um. I've just started a production company with a good friend of mine who, um, who I started acting with. And, uh, so we've started, uh, you know, we, uh, we've just submitted, um, our first short film into a bunch of, um, fest- festivals. We just yeah. got accepted by something in Tokyo, which is cool. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um,
0: which is ironically where you first went to try to yeah. sell Serato.
1: <laughs> now know, now, you
0: now you go now it's a film career. and You're yeah, like yeah. I'm going back. We'll to try Japan. again. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, um, I don't know. There's not much to say about it. It's just uh, a passion of mine as well.
0: I mean, how did like when did that start? was that po- was that post you know launching Serato? Was this like yeah, something as yeah, a kid or yeah, uh,
1: probably about ten years ago? Yeah. So you you, you you walk around and go like oh,
0: you know what I want to do act.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that, that that is what happened. Well, um, you know what happened? Uh, I When I turned 30, I uh, I kind of stepped away a little bit from Serato and wanted to try other things. And uh, that was one of the things I did.
0: Uh, what else was on the list? What was your 30-year-old bucket list?
1: Mostly traveling to lots of different places. So. Nice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, fell in love with Las Vegas. <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. That's easy to fall, fall in love with. Um speaking of milestone years yeah. you had this epic uh birthday party recently uh, uh-huh. you and I have something in common we both turned 40 recently oh, yeah. uh, not to put us, either of us on blast but i just did <laughs> uh, um just retell the story a little bit cuz it it seemed pretty epic as far as like the the level of production that went into your you forgot you, you didn't think i remembered this did you
1: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and only today? the
0: only reason it's there it, there's articles out there about it, so
1: oh really yeah yeah wow uh yeah, no, we just you know it's my fortieth, so uh it's a milestone. we just thought let's do it, um do it right i i uh, had it in an old theater, so um there was this theater in in Auckland that used to be used for raves and dance parties in the nineties, so I knew the people kind of around my age would would uh love to have it there and we, there's not that many events in there these days and it's it burned down and so they they only recently reopened it for events oh nice and uh, i thought
0: it burned down during your birthday party that would have no, been no, a, no. a super like, epic birthday a
1: few years ago <laughs> and yeah no we just had you know uh people dancing around in fluoro monster suits and you know it was it was a good time, it was a good
0: time. <laughs> yeah it was like, i mean it, it seemed like it was a lot of theatrics there's a uh, you had a really cool uh like tuxedo jacket on oh yeah I was, like, I was like the jacket was epic <laughs> um well we, all, along your lines I, my birthday party was not as epic as yours but i did spend it with uh steve aoki right. which i thought was cool, That's cool. um uh, you know so kudos to me but uh <laughs> I'd like to think of or hear about the roster of DJs that have used your product over the years and been champions of it. Um, and I read about Jesse Jeff and mm-hmm. you know, all these other individuals you were in a documentary with, uh, about
1: DJ AM. Yeah. Um, he was a huge yeah. fan. Um, and, uh, obviously great DJ. Um, very sad to lose that guy. Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, I remember the day I actually got the text. I was like, uh, I was in Greece and, uh, yeah, it was a bad day.
0: Yeah, that I I uh we I got a chance to interview Matt Cologne. Um yeah. so, you know, help start Deckstar, and it's just like that that had to be a just a painful moment for the industry period. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um but but who else is on that roster of sort of you know?
1: Well, um if you want to go right back to the beginning when we first showed the prototype at uh, the NAM show, uh A-Track was one of our mm. very first uh it's like beta tester number one, basically. So a has been a, a huge Serato guy for a long time. Uh, you mentioned already Jazzy Jeff. He was, um, he was there, uh, pretty early. Uh, Steve Aoki as well. Um, uh, you know, um, we did a few, we did an icon series a little while ago. Um, was an icon series. Uh, that's what we called it. It was just a oh. series of videos. I of, see. With, uh, of, you know, some icons that, uh, you know, in the industry and, uh, you know, Fat Boy Slim was on there. It was a cool interview. It was, I think, that was the first one we did. Um, yeah. and, he, you know, there's so many, like too many to name. Um, and that that my favorite part is like like meeting these guys because they're actually mostly very cool guys. Hey, yeah, super cool. Yeah, yeah. And because you know what, DJs at heart, at heart, uh, they're geeks like me. So you've got to be someone who you know, like uh, to me, a geek is like somebody who spends thousands of hours um, working on something. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I mean the Steve Aoki story is like his diligence and the amount of content he puts out and it's like just Mm -hmm. the, the, um, the deliberateness of, you know, him like, I need to document this moment. And yeah. it, like, that is his own version of geekdom. And I think, you yeah. you know, when you, when you. It's p- the cool geeks. Exactly, not math <laughs> geeks or math geeks. But I'm <laughs> um, sorry, I'm going to go find, like, this is a whole new show yeah, I'm yeah, going yeah. to launch. Um, but I wanted to talk really quickly about, you know, just coding versus design. Because the one thing I love about Pyro is the way it looks. It, I mean, yeah. it's a seriously beautiful platform. I mean, even like the flame that looks like it's moving, and you know the color schemes, black and orange, innovation correct. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, just talk about the like that level of user experience and color schemes, and just the level of thinking that goes in on top of the functionality.
1: Well, it doesn't go on top of; it's the most important thing. So, for us, design and and user experience actually lead function. So, um, uh, for us you know, we have a team, we have a UX team, user experience team that, um, uh, you know, go to great pain to make sure that uh, the product is something that's easy to use and it makes sense and it's intuitive and all that kind of thing, which is, you know, the original Scratch Live is the reason it was popular is because, um, you know, back then I was the whole UX team, you know. It was, right. that <laughs> was my Yeah, my thing. And um, so when Pyro came along, uh, you know this is something that was very personally um of interest to me so uh the u x team grew by one for the <laughs> the whole duration of that project um and you know we we have a lot of discussions you know we uh probably i guess our commitment to u x probably added six months to the to the wow. project 'cause um you know we would we would go no, this isn't quite right we've gotta you know change this and do you know um and then we've gotta really uh, great design team as well that uh, we do all of our graphics and all of our video production, all that kind of stuff in house.
0: How much of that is gut versus like actually test and feedback from people in terms of the usability and the user experience?
1: Um, I think, well, rather than saying gut, I would say, um, you know, uh, talent. <laughs> so I would say 50% and 50%, you know, right. or, um, you know, we do like to test stuff, but uh, we 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 also like to have really good, you know, smart UX people. Awesome. Um,
0: as we wind down a bit, yeah. Uh, the show is called Innovation Crush, uh, and I am curious as to what is yours. Like, what's your current innovation crush? What do you see out in the world? Is you are like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. It can be cuisine, it can be space travel, it can be what we're talking about—the future, but. Or maybe something you know, directly related to Serato or, or Pyro, but just something that's out there that AJ Burdenshaw is is crushing on.
1: Uh, I gotta say it's uh, it's it's the VR stuff. You know, uh, I the, um, I've got there's this thing I've got on order which is called the Virtuix Omni. It's like a little platform, and uh, you strap yourself in, and you can run around inside a virtual world because it's it's uh, it's kind of like a three three hundred sixty degree treadmill. Wow! So I have had it on order since it was in Kickstarter. And that
0: that launched a, a few years ago, right? It's still not out. Okay, yeah, because I remember there was something like it's like two years ago that they announced. Okay, okay, because I'm thinking there was like a right around time Oculus
1: Rift was announced. Like mm-hmm. there was a
0: there was this yeah. image of a guy like in a round 360. That's degree. it. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Okay, yeah.
1: So so that's coming, and uh, I've got my. Uh, Oculus Rifts on order, and we nice. got two of the two of each. So they sold out in
0: fifteen seconds, at, yeah. or at uh, or fifteen minutes at CES, which was crazy. Mm. It was like, hey, we're taking pre-orders. I'm like, okay, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> um, that I mean, that yeah, I, we had uh, Michelle Thaller, who's the NASA director of communications, on, and she was visiting L.A. to see some other stuff that NASA was working on. But one of them is um, a VR experience where you can actually fly through the galaxy mm-hmm. uh, and you can navigate it yourself. And it's not like an artistic, you know, uh, interpretation. It is almost to, you know, to the T uh, size and scale mm-hmm. of being able to navigate the universe. So I think those kinds of implications are great. Plus the, you know, the idea of like treating phobias mm-hmm. and, you know, the medical implications of, of VR. Oh, are pretty-
1: dude, just, you know the 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 level of understanding that you can um get of a subject when you're like immersed in something, you know, you said with the scale of the universe all that kind of stuff, you have no real idea of scale and that kind of thing when you're looking at a video on a screen, but right. when you can turn your head and look around, you know, it's such a different. Yeah, space. you are in that world. That's that's pretty yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah. Um. Last but not least, mm. complete this phrase for me. Ready? Deep breath. But oh, don't yeah. worry, it won't be as bad as me bringing up. Uh, um uh innovation to me is
1: innovation to me is changing the way people think about the world
0: awesome you've done a great job at that oh. no i mean seriously like i like i remember you know serato launching and like there was there was wars in the streets like people, <laughs> people were like you can't use that stuff like it was just but you know, uh, to your point, it just kind of up the the level, lower the, or democratize the playing field, but also up the level of creativity. And like, I mean, look at where EDM is now. And, uh, you know, a lot of that mm. is, is kind of coming from the, the technological capabilities of, of tools like mm. yours. So, yeah.
1: I think whenever you innovate, you you can't innovate unless you change someone else's idea of what's possible.
0: Yeah. I like to think of it as ex- exploring the impossible. mm um, but thank you. How can people find you? Um, uh, you know, whether online or do you want them sure? Just-
1: <laughs> uh, no, my Twitter is uh, at AJ Bertenshaw. and Um,
0: no, your dad doesn't have that one too. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Okay, cool. yeah, uh,
1: Burtonshaw's with two e's.
0: Burton B E R T E N S H A W. Well done. Dang, I'm good. I, I was so good. I won the spelling bee in seventh grade. Nice. Uh, uh shout out to Mr. Regan. Uh, But anyway, thank you for joining us, Um, everyone. This has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time.